In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 229. We're back again. (laughs) I know, it seems like it's been a long time since we actually recorded. It's been like over a month since you and I I sat down. Yeah, uh, so for those of you unaware, you should be aware by now. I moved, so I was in a new place. But I got into my new place like at the 22nd of August. And it does have internet, but it was, you know, it was a whole thing, miscommunication between the property and the internet provider. But it, long story short, now we're finally set up, so um, we're back in business. Uh, so we're, we're good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's nice. I like it over here. Um, I got a master bedroom, so I have more space. Like, I've got my uh, – previously, I just had my, you know, my dresser, my nightstand, my computer table, my glass display case, my bed, and – you know, all that in my room. Now I've got all of that, plus a rug, plus a leather recliner, plus my big-ass bookshelf, and my TV's mounted on the wall. So I've got all that space and my own bathroom, which isn't small. Like, I've got, like, a kind of mini hallway for the sink and the closet, and then an adjoining room for that for the toilet and the shower. So I've got a lot of space. <laughs> space is always important. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I'm good. The only problem I have here is cockroaches. Oh, and it's God. Not, it's, not, it's not like it's, we're overrun, but I see one every now and then, and they're not massive. They're just, like, little ones. It's still not good, Chad. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no, no, I just, you know, it just needs to scrub down, so I'm going to scrub things down, and I know how to take care of it, so I'll, I'll get, you know, I'll take care of that problem, and we'll be good. But uh, that's not what you called. Um, we are covering August books. So that means Green Lantern number 43. Uh, Mark's taking that one. I'm going to do uh, Green Lantern's uh, Star Trek, The Spectrum Wars number two. Um, uh, Mark will do Lost Army number three. Um, and then I'll wrap us up with Sinestro number 14. Uh, so you want to take 43, Mark? I will take 43. Green Lantern 43 has a very dynamic cover as as worlds die, relic returns, which is quite interesting because, as you will find out shortly, the art in this book goes up tremendous. The value of the art goes up tremendously in this book because of who the actual guest artist is. But unfortunately, the cover is still Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though relic looks good, but of course, as we know, drawing aliens is not the issue uh, with him. Uh, so the creative team: Robert Venditti is the writer. Ethan Van Skyver is our guest artist. Thank God. <laughs> once once you see him draw, you know, once you see his art again in this issue, I just kind of mean it's just going to make it so much worse when in '44 when he, when he's gone again. <laughs> uh, 
uh, colorist Alex Sinclair, letterer Dave Sharp, and of course uh, Billy Tan and Alex Sinclair did the cover. So the actual issue opens up on an unexplored world in, in a tribe's day of mourning, and a recent death of a of a tribesman. Uh, his his wife is mourning him, and I guess the the, the shaman is basically saying, you know, the you know, the sickness spreads beyond my medicine. I can't do anything. Only the gods can save us. And and right on cue, the worst god you'd want to see show up comes down. It's it's Black Hand. It's like, oh, just just new, fresh, dead, an easy one, easy. Because <laughs> Black Hand is so desperate to raise anything from the dead at this point, he'll take it. He'd take a cockroach, no pun intended, at this point. <laughs> anything. Just give me something that's freshly dead. Maybe it'll work this time. So you know, he he comes down, and of course the, the uh, all all the tribes, all the tribesmen are just all ex- first they're confused and they're excited. They think, oh, he must be a god, you know, one of the gods answering their pleas. And of course, uh, no, you know. So black again, continuing the kind of funny nutsy black hand that we've gotten ever since he came back in uh, like in Villains Month. Uh, the whole idea of, you know, please, dead guy, you seem nice. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Please rise. And he puts his finger on his head, and of course, like, as everything else that Black Hand has touched since uh, since the end of uh, Godhead, this you know, this body turns to stone, then all the tribes people turn, turn to stone. We pretty much can assume the entire planet, once again, is turning to stone. And Black Hand is just, you know, it's completely distraught. He's kind of like hu- hugging, hugging this, you know, the, the husband that he you know was, that he tried to wrestle at going why won't the dead play, play with me like they did back home you know the mortuary coast city cemetery you know the good times everything was better at home and he goes home I'm going home which we know won't be good if that happens so the so now we get the actual the title of the issue is proper which is a wounded universe and we have Hal Hal and company are flying through space. Um, Hal is working on a spacesuit, a flight suit, and of course Darlene, otherwise known as Aya with an attitude, continues to, you know, kind of like pick at pick at him like a scab here, going, "What are you doing, Hal?" It's like, "Are are, are you are you bail- building a vehicle, a flight suit?" It's like, "Cause you know how much I like it when you leave." <laughs> it's like, uh, and of course Hal just tells Darlene to pretty much to put a sock in it because he's trying to actually enjoy the the view, which is a pretty it's a pretty nice page. I mean, there's not much going on in the space, but it's just a beautiful view of, of space. And plus, you see the, constru- the energy constructed tools that Hal made to, that he was using to put together his flight suit. Um, at this point, Hal and, Hal and Virgo engage in a conversation about uh, Hal just pretty much says, you know, I've passed through here multiple times, or countless times, really. And it's like I've never really stopped to enjoy the view, or as he chooses to describe it. It's good to stop and basically to see the roses, which is kind of a twist on that smelling the roses phrase. Uh, at this point, you know, Virgo and Hal kind of both kind of compare uh, in a way that kind of like – it's almost like a bonding exercise because they're both talking about, you know, they, they both – what they have lost and everything else and and also the fact that maybe they're kind of like – this quest that they're on together, basically, maybe it's kind of all leading towards the same thing. Maybe what happened to to Virgo's people and his planet kind of relates to what happened to the core and why the core is gone. So they're pretty much uh, they're determined 
to, you know, to, to find the, re the answer to this. Hal, basically, he at this point, Hal, you know, he removes his jacket, he moves the gauntlet, he gives it to, he basically gives it to Virgo to keep, to, to keep a watch on, uh, and he also tells him to keep an eye on uh, Trapper, who's seemingly out cold still in, in a, in this, in the cell, handcuffed, and he pretty much makes sure he tells Virgo, make sure no one, you know, you keep Trapper away from the. From the gauntlet, especially, but nobody touches it but me, you know. That's that's because I'm going undercover, deep, deep, deep undercover. <laughs> you know, and 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 now and how you know. At first, we don't necessarily know why Hal's taking off the gauntlet, but of course, we realize it in a very beautiful two-page spread by Ethan Van Skyver, because he is going flying out of Darlene to go confront, as in talk to Relic, and we have, and. As Hal says, because if this guy recognizes me, we're all dead. So, you know, Virgo, uh, Virgo continues to watch all this, and of course, Darlene, being the instigator, kind of makes it sound like, well, you know, we could, if you really want to get out of here, we could just set a course and go anywhere you want. You just have to override Hal's commands, and I'll tell you how to do it. And Virgo just says, no. And at this point, Virgo kind of like reaffirms his belief anyway of what kind of person Hal is, that he has confidence that Hal is a good person. And, of course, Darlene, that doesn't really... That doesn't really ring true to Darlene, but we don't really care all that much at the moment, which she thinks. Uh, Hal goes, flies off to, you know, to confront Relic, and, you know, Relic kind of just says, are you, a, are, you, are you here on a mission of science, Traveler? And, of course, Hal, in a very unconvincing tone, goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, how'd you guess? You find out Relic has scanned their ship, and he realized there were no weapons, so he that's he didn't consider them a real threat. At this point, Hal and Relic engage in a conversation because Relic is there studying the the hole that is in the source wall, and we we it's a sizable hole. It's not I mean super ginormous based on the size of the wall itself, but it's it's a decent size hole, which according to Relic anyway, it's not getting bigger at least at the moment. But they exchange ideas, and Hal pretty much makes it, you know, he kind of mentions that, uh, that there was this planet, Virgo's planet, as we know, that turned to stone. And basically, I'm, I'm just wondering, do you think it's possible that a piece of gravel, basically from the source wall, could have flown out and hit something? And cause that, could be the, that could be the problem. And Relic said, well, I don't really, that, that's a, you know, it's an intriguing hypothesis, but he doesn't really believe it. He thinks that it's possible that someone who was fused with the source wall basically could carry, basically, pe be, that ability to turn things to stone with it, almost like a disease or a, a, a contaminant, as he phrases it. And he goes, it's possible that that, that could be the cause. And then, of course, then he, that leads him to showing Again, his ultimate hypothesis on this is that maybe it relates to this this being that he saw, you know, basically at the time he was brought back from his time being merged with the source wall. And, of course, once again, we know and we see the pictures of it and how recognizes who he's talking about, that is Black Hand. So certainly Relic's theory is that it's Black Hand, basically, who is spreading the the disease throughout the universe, turning turning things to stone. At this point, Virgo is Virgo is getting nervous about what's going on between Relic and Hal, so he takes it upon himself to put the gauntlet on his hand. Of course, at this point, it's kind of funny just the way Trapper just kind of like wanders out. Is like, what's the eat around here? <laughs> and then Virgo puts on the puts on the gauntlet. You know, he really can't control it. He's in a lot of pain when he puts it on. But as soon as he puts it on, Relic's devices, his machinery detects that the, the green energy, 
you know, the spectrum energy is detected, and now Relic is pretty much pissed off, and he goes, you know, you, you harbor the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the power of the green lightsmiths, you know, in your ship. It's like you don't know what, you don't understand what you're dealing with, and of course Hal tries to make it clear, like, oh, I understand. It's somebody else who doesn't. You know, referring to, you know, Virgo not following orders. Uh, Trapper is trying to help Virgo remove the gauntlet from his hand. You know, Vir- at this point, Relic is really feels like he was betrayed by, you know, space traveler, 2000, <laughs> 2001 space traveling Hal. And he sends his, you know, his uh, machinery, his energy sapping devices and everything else after Hal because he's trying to get the, to, you know, basically to drain the spectrum energy. Hal gets back to the ship. You know, first he's, he blames Trapper, but then he realizes that that's not what's going on. He puts the gauntlet back on. Um, basically, at this point, Trapper is entrusted with taking care of Virgo. Hal pretty much springs into action to try to deal with, you know, with Relic's uh, drones at this point. And I kind of like the fact that when all the drones are approaching uh, Darlene, that he creates a giant whale. Which I now, did you did you take did you think it was supposed to be Ion or just a whale? I thought it was just supposed to be a whale. A whale. Yeah, because it doesn't have the little, the cute little differences between Ion and a real whale. But Hal creates this giant whale that, swall- that temporarily swallows all the all the drones. Um, at this point, Darlene has been damaged by the time, uh, the amount of time, even though it was relatively brief, that Virgo had the gauntlet on his hand, and because he couldn't control it, it kind of damaged basically, like like a Star Wars. So a Star Wars reference essentially damaged almost like the hyperdrive here, and uh, Darlene had to reboot the system, and until she did, they couldn't get out of there. So Hal uses the gauntlet to basically keep uh, the drones at bay just in time for Darlene to reboot, and as soon as it reboots, boom, pretty much the ship goes into hy- hyperspace and leaves, and Relic just kind of looks really pissed off at look, staring into space going, I'll see you again, little lightsmith. The issue wraps up on Space Sector th- th- uh, 3087, the gaming dens of Yagal. And we have uh, basically, now we saw her before, right, or no? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we saw her back when Hal must have busted them out of, I just don't remember what her name was, do you? No, it's off my head. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, is this female alien, she's begging, kind of like uh, she's, She's down on her knees. It looks like everybody else around her has pretty much been wiped out anyway. And she's like, like I told you everything. Hal Jordan rescued uh, Virgo and fled, and he hasn't, you know, hasn't been back. I swear it. It's like, and at this point, it's like, uh, and she's sitting there crying, basically begging for mercy. Uh, the the people that she's talking to, they kind of throw a stick of dynamite essentially towards her and and, and go up. Uh, and she goes, you can't. And he goes, of course I can. It's like, who's, who's going to stop me? The gray agents will be the new law. We'll decide who burns. And next issue, emergency stop. And that's the end of Green Lantern 43. It wasn't too bad. Um, there, Although there was action, I kind of feel like it was still kind of a filler. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Things just seem to be moving really slow for me in this title. Yeah. Compar- comparatively, comparatively to like other issues. Yes, and it's and it's it's certainly still better than the Durlan thing. <laughs> true, true. And it's good having Relic back. Yes, and uh, Ethan Van Skyver's art, especially that two-page splash, uh, definitely helps things. Yes, that that, that was a huge plus, 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 plus. Uh, 
it's good to see Hal look like Hal again. Yeah. Even with the long, even even with the the hippie like Hal, at least by looking at his face, you can see that it's Hal, especially where he's, you know, especially when he's uh, kind of like still got his mask on, his gauntlet on, and everything else in, in the trench coat. He actually looks like Hal, basically with long hair, being trying to go undercover, which we really haven't gotten in the regular issues so far with, with Billy Tan drawing yeah. him. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like we, we didn't get, we didn't get much new out of this, uh... I did, uh, other than the two-page splash, I really liked the, uh, I thought, uh, Fanskyver's art got a chance to shine when, uh, the, on the Black Hand pages. Oh, yes, because he, because he draws Black Hand so well to begin with, and yeah. it just kind of hark, it kind of harkens back to the, if you will, the glory days of the, the Johns run with Black Hand, and it's just, and so I, that, I mean... We kind of knew Black Hand, you know, was what was going to happen as soon as he showed up that he was going to turn everybody to stones. It is, it is kind of, you know, potentially, obviously ominous that you know he he may end up thinking he can go home and that's going to solve his problems when we know what that would do if he actually does make it there. Uh, it's good to see, you know, it, in a way, I mean, it's good to see Relic still at work trying to figure out what he's doing, but you know, he's, it's it's kind of like he's gets kind of a lot of. On some levels, you just kind of want him to let it go a little bit with the lightsmiths. I mean, he kind of acknowledges about how, you know, the uh, he knows that this that the reservoir has been, you know, has been refilled and that it's going to be eons again before it runs dry. So you would think he'd be a little less anal about things. Though again, you could justify his turning on Hal more because he felt like he was betrayed because it's not like he sent the devices out, you know, to drain the energy immediately. It was only once basically he got really pissed off and he kind of realized he was being played. I think Hal could have been a tad more convincing in trying to pass himself off as a scientist instead of doing the stumbling bit. I was like, oh yeah, but which 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 we'll pick up on pick up on again once we get to Lost Army because that's another common thread that that issue has with this one. That that's like just, you understand you're in kind of in over your head a tad at least with Hal trying to pass himself off as a scientist, but you at least you would think you try to the one thing Hal tends to have is is confidence and cockiness, so you would think he would at least be able to sell his his bullshit a little bit more, especially when it's not like he has to go into deep scientific principle discussion with Relic. Um, when when you saw Hal's spacesuit, did you, did that remind you of anything? Uh, let's see. Uh, specifically, another DC character. Let's go back to when I first saw it when he's working on it. Um, it it doesn't so much look like it there, but when he's flying away from Relic, when Relic knows that something's up. Take a look at that page just to double check. Uh, now it's another DC character. Yeah. Who do you think it reminds you of? Adam Strange. Strange yes. Okay. That's yeah. that's where I thought you were going with it. But. I mean, I'm talking uh, not just color scheme. He's got the jetpacks and everything. It's a cool spacesuit. I mean this this looks like a this looks like what I would expect uh, a new Fifty Two. Eyesed version of the Adam Strange suit would look like. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I was like, yeah, that kind of looks like Adam Strange, and, and you know, and then we got to that that page where he's flying away from Relic, and I was like, that is definitely Adam Strange. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I don't know if I buy Virgo putting on that damn gauntlet. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Um. I mean, I guess he's just kind of out of his element and spooked, so he just, you know, acts, you know, thinks he's going to be, 
to quote Firefly, you know, a, a big damn hero. Uh, but but at least know. he's doing it for the right reasons. He's doing yeah. it, he's he's doing it because he thinks you know he, he kind of thinks Hal's going to need it. He's going to need backup as he phrases it. So so it's kind of nice to know that you know he again kind of playing off the beginning of the issue when he and Hal are obviously having their bonding moments about what they still have in common and what they've lost. Uh, I think it, I think that's kind of I, I think that is uh, that is kind of cool. But uh, again, like everybody else, people just don't people just don't follow instructions particularly well. <laughs> I mean, if Relic had grabbed Hal or something, and Hal really physically looked like he was in distress, then I could understand it more. But he was just kind of like anticipating something that certainly hadn't happened yet. Let me ask you: um, Do you think the space stuff? Like when Hal is viewing uh, space, the the view. Do you think that is a uh, art, um, like a post, almost like a posterized filter of a picture of space, or do you think that's Alex Sinclair doing his own thing? Because I definitely don't think Van Skyver drew that. Do you think it's just Alex Sinclair having fun with the with I, the colors? If I had to guess, I would say yes. But Good I could. But it's hard to say. I mean, it's, I mean, it certainly is consistent with, even on the other pages, it's consistent. Even that, uh, like when, when you first see Darlene flying through space, you get the, you know, you same, get the same hues and everything. Mm-hmm. So it, it could, it may just be a stylistic choice, but it is a nice splash page, though. I mean, yeah. again, it's a lot of dead space, if you will, but it, but it's 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 pretty to look at, if nothing else. Uh, another villain, Grey Agents, yay. Yeah, let's, I know, another. Yeah, just like we still have, just like we still have to figure out who, who sent the core away. Yeah, who the, who the paling is and all that crap. Yeah, but at least we're, but at least we're supposed to be, at least based on, you know, solicits, we're supposed to at least be getting an idea of what, you know, what the origin is of, of the paling and then, of what, you know, where the, what their real deal is, just like we're supposed to be figuring out, um, we're supposed to, I guess, theoretically be getting a resolution to the hole in the source wall thing related to Relic and Black Hand and Hal and all that stuff. So it does seem like some of these stories, some of these aspects of these storylines are, are, you know, are starting, you know, the more of the pieces of the puzzle are starting to connect. It does make you wonder how long Lost Army will continue with them being lost the way they are now. <laughs> Uh, makes you wonder because I don't know how long you can continue with that and make it really interesting unless they're going to be like unless it's going to kind of end up being like Quantum Leap where they end up <laughs> getting out of there but they're, but they're still not you know but they're lost somewhere else <laughs> like <laughs> shit we're lost again <laughs> <laughs> alright anything else no I liked it but I think in all honesty I think I liked it for the art more than anything probably yeah I I feel the same way all right, Green Lantern, Star Trek. Green Lantern, Star Trek. Okay, so Star Trek Green Lantern, The Spectrum War, number two, oh. written by Mike Johnson, art by Annual, uh, Angel Hernandez, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, letters by Neil Utaki, eh. uh, and put out by uh, DC and IDW. So we open basically where we left off. A uh, yellow ring has found the... Uh, the leader of the Klingon ship, uh, Chang, um, and uh, did I say Klingon? Yeah, it is Klingon. All right, good. Uh, and basically, what is happening is Hal is kind of the narrator for the most part of this issue. 
And uh, it's kind of important to read some of the stuff he says. So, uh, every time a yellow ring finds a new bearer, I feel it. Like a shock to the finger, quick, mostly painless, but unpleasant. I can't worry about this new guy right now, though. And um, he says, because uh, he's got his hands full. And he's basically, you know, taking, uh, keeping the Enterprise flying. Um, He says that, he tells Kirk that, uh, he scanned him. Um, he scanned the Enterprise with his ring. He knows that they've got Gambit's skeleton on board. Um, Kirk says he pre- appreciates the help, but he's got his hands full. And we see uh, Uhura and um, Chekhov. Chekhov, yes, Chekhov um, in their uh, their respective uniforms: uh, Star Sapphire and uh, Blue Lantern. Uh, it's pretty cool, actually, because each of them have the symbol for the lantern in the center of their chest, and then a black circle around that symbol, and it extends up into the left uh, to also encircle their Star Trek uh, uh, little symbol. The 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 what is, what is, I don't know what that's called, but that little symbol. Um, they're asking what's going on. Spock is analyzing everything, <laughs> and uh, Uhura's like, I need your help, not your analysis, damn it. Uh, Chekhov says, you know, he's fine, I feel like I can suddenly do anything, and he shoots his ring towards the control panel of the Enterprise, uh, and then he basically starts taking over the shielding around the Enterprise from Hal. So he's like, alright, well, cool. Uh, he's And he's, um, Hal's talking about how he can feel those, uh, you know, feel that those ringers, rings have had a bear, and it's a more pleasant feeling. You know, there's new ring bearers on that ship. Hal says, looks like you found a new power source, so if you'll excuse me, I'm going to, you know, go handle what I'm guessing isn't a friendly. Um, Chang is, you know, making a massive, one can only assume, Klingon dragon-like beast, um, and he's talking about how he... Uh, He's he's going he's you know I've got all this power and you know blah blah blah. I was talking about how he saw three rings leave the ship and obviously the yellow ring obviously chose Captain Eyepatch here, uh, but where did the red and orange go? Uh, so we go over to the Beta Quadrant and the Tau Tau La, 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 Laser Laser Tay system, the planet Gornar, uh, and there's. Um, uh, kind of some snake-like, uh, reptile-like beings. Um, if you've ever heard of uh, the uh, cryptozoology reptilians, you know that are supposedly among us. Um, you know, humanoid lizard people. That's what these look like. Um, talking about how his father is still clinging to a throne and blah blah blah. You know, you're wishing your father were dead, weren't? Don't you? And you know, what would your mother's? You know, he's, you know. Basically, he wants the throne. He's pissed off. He's angry. You know, such rage in your voice, Glaucon. I'm, I'm beginning to fear that you don't love anything, even your oldest friend. The only thing I love is my homeworld and the empire I helped to build around it. And then Glaucon of Gornar, you are chosen. And he gets a red ring, and bam. Uh, looks like, looks freaking awesome. Um, Atrocious ha- Jr. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just, especially when the red ring hits him. When I, when I was flipping through the book before I read it and I saw that page, it's like, Atrocitus is in this? And then when I read the story, it's like, oh, he just looks like Atrocitus. <laughs> uh, Hal's talking about how he felt another shock. The red ring's found a home. 
then uh, the uh, for for a second, uh, Chang is Chang, right? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I already forgot. Chang uh, gets the upper hand on Hal. He says, you know, I, I felt that I'm a step slow. You know, I must be weak from following Ganthet's trail to, you know, wherever I am. Um, Kirk's talking about how it looks like he's taking a beating out there. Uh, they want to help. So uh, Chekhov takes over and starts shooting uh, uh, some energy blasts at Chang and his construct. Uh, Hal says, you know, whoever's got the blue ring is a fast learner. Hal takes care of Chang, kind of, you know, makes him, uh, takes him out of the picture for a quick second, which gives the Enterprise and Kirk time. Um, Kirk asks Chekhov if he can get the Enterprise to warp with that ring. He does, he says he can, so Kirk says to Hal, you know, whoever you, whoever you are, you're welcome to follow us. Um, and Hal's like, you're running away? He's like, well, no, but avoiding escalation of a potentially galaxy-wide conflict, yeah. <laughs> so um, Hal says, you know, uh, just true to form, well, I never liked turning tail, but when you put it like that. So he goes with them, and they hit warp, now leaving uh, Chang in the dust. Over in Sector Z6, the planet Romulus, um, one of their member is talking about expansion, and we're, we've been hiding with our within our borders and, you know, talking about how the Federation is, um, they, they, they're, they're only expanding because for control, um, you know, the longer we wait to resume our own territorial expansion, the fewer systems will be left for us to exploit. And one of them goes, exploit? The word lacks a necessary nobility as befits our proud empire. And then he says, well, nobility doesn't, uh, nobility doesn't carve out dilithium mines, Senator. So he's talking about, you know, gathering up all the resources in their sector and don't let anybody else have them, including the Federation. So, of course, a red, orange ring shows up and says, Decilis of Romulus, you are chosen. And he gets his orange ring. Hal, uh, back at warp, Hal feels that. Uh, Hal asks permission to come aboard. Kirk says, okay. Uh, and he just kind of phases through the bridge uh, and uh, onto the, the the deck there. Hal introduces himself. Um, Kirk introduces himself, uh, but Hal asks if, if if the ship is some sort of secret NASA ship. And uh, you know they're like NASA, what the hell? <laughs> uh, of course, Spock says his trademark. Fascinating. Um, Hal asks what Starfleet is and why do you have Ganthet skeleton on board and. Uh, Kirk says, you know, we found him alone on a rock with nothing but these rings, but those rings beside him, those rings that wrecked havoc, uh, on my ship. Speaking of which, Scotty, do you copy? Uh, and Bones comes floating in and, on, uh, in his indigo costume. Uh, <laughs> really, really confused. Uh, back on the Klingon homeworld, Chang has showed up. He takes out the, the, the council, uh, says they're just a bunch of bureaucrats. Uh, you're all dismissed. You know, kills everybody, um, you know, starts taking over. Uh, no more debate, no more councils, creates a throne for himself. And all of a sudden it disappears, and he falls to the ground. He says, my throne of light, what happened to it? And boom, there's Sinestro. I did. You certainly seem to thrive on instilling fear. I'll give you that, but as long as you're wearing that ring on your finger, Sinestro will be giving the orders. And to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What'd you think? It's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I, I I gotta say, I still like the colors. 
Uh, I kind of had the same thing to say about the colors as I did from the colors from the uh, uh, towards the end of the New Guardians run, uh, especially when it comes to the Power Rings. They're more pastel than you know, solid blue, solid green, right. and and I, I really like that effect. I like that. I like the fact that there was. Um... Well, Sinestro on some basic level kind of seems like it was out of the blue that he showed up. There was a foreshadowing of that when he's when Hal is duking it out with Chang, and he's when he basically after he felt the red ring when he's when he's dealing with him, and he goes, uh, you know, right when he's talking about it, you know the weakness that maybe he's weak from following Ganth's trail, and he goes, and if I made it through, what about? And I think that's the hint that we were be connected dots, and that he was talking about Sinestro. Yeah, because we don't know what happened to Hal before he entered this universe. Right. So we don't. Yeah, we don't know what what the chain of events were right before he walked through. So that I think so obviously. Yeah, he, I think I think I think those rings might have been the last rings of their core. Like I, yeah, well, other than Sinestro, uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, other than the New Guardians, because oh, I got you. Because I don't know if you've seen covers, but you know, like Larflees is on one of the covers for this series. Yeah, the next one isn't it? I think it's. Uh, I I don't know. Um. But yeah, so I think, you know, I wonder if the, those were the last rings, and because Ganth had had them, and they were, you know, glowing, that means they probably had power, so Hal was looking for a green ring, uh, or knew Ganth had one, and was try, trying to divert Sinestro, and, you know, Sinestro, and, you know, whoever the Red Leader is, and Orn, you know... Larflees and all the others trying to divert them so that, uh, um, or maybe maybe they were helping. Maybe maybe Sinestro and Larflees and them were helping because it's Necron, right? That, that yeah, that's true. That running. is that is true. That is true. So so either they either Hal was buying time for Ganthet uh, by keeping the, the New Guardians away, or they were all helping Ganthet try to avoid Necron for whatever the hell Necron is supposed to do because Necron shows up on one of the covers at some point towards the end here so I don't know what happens I mean obviously we're, it's it's only a six issue series so I'm kind of surprised that I don't know maybe it's not moving faster or I mean it, it definitely it, it's it's a great story I look forward to reading every issue so far I mean I get you know I get kind of giddy and it's at the top of my pile but I'm kind of shocked that you know with new lanterns in the Star Trek universe and the new guardians coming over into this universe and Necron involved, that it's only a six issue series and it seems like maybe we should have more. I mean, I don't know. Probably, probably well, I maybe we'll have a better idea once issue three comes out to see if the pacing picks up a lot by issue three. Yeah. I suspect it might since pretty much all the rings now have had, have bearers now. So, yes. So now they they don't have they can dispense with all that now and then start dealing with you know you know however it's going to pan out with Necron and and everything else whether ultimately everybody's going to have to team up to uh you know to defeat Necron or well it'll it, it'll be curious uh and like you it actually I am kind of curious now to see who who if, if we are going to see. If we're going to see leaders of all the cores show up in this, maybe we won't. Maybe Sinestro is the only other one that we see that we see make it. But if we don't, if well, we know, like you said, we we see Larfleet, so that certainly points to the fact that maybe we are going to see 
one lan maybe a lantern from each core that we know show up, then the question will be who will be the red. So. Yeah, I'm going to look at the covers now because, I mean, there's no point. We, we might as well. It's not like it spoils anything. Uh, but, yeah, while I look that up, any um, any other thoughts? Because you know, I mean, you don't know a, you know a shit ton more than I do, but uh, you know more about Star Trek than I do. So what do you think on the Star Trek side of things? I think it may, I mean I think where they're going with it makes sense. I think it's you know the way they're divvying up the rings so far. I think based on goals and everything else, I think that I think that makes sense. Uh, I thought the artwork maybe was at least related to the the likenesses of the Star Trek cast. I thought maybe this issue was a little less uh, accurate than the than the first. I think there's a few panels that that a few panels in which they look particularly strong. But I don't think there is like obviously when Bones shows up with the Indigo, he looks again like Carl Urban. He looks pretty good there, and even that whole uh, that whole two page spread that's kind of the most Chris Pine like I think that uh, consistently that Kirk looks like in this entire issue. So, um, but the art overall is good. Uh, do you do you recognize? Um, uh, the guy from the, the lizard dude is, is no. I mean, I, I would be lying if I said just based on names alone that they that they they meant a lot to me. Other than you know Chang, I, Chang I knew, uh, but I can't say off the top of my head that all that these characters I have a lot of background with. Assuming assuming that they are. Um, you know, previous existing Star Star Trek characters that I don't have a whole lot of background with them. Yeah, so it looks like Laura Fleas is on the cover of three for sure. Four, I'm pulling up now. Let's see. Um, and I can edit out all this pausing and shit. Uh, I see what looks like Black Lanterns on the cover of four. Oh no, that's is that Necron? <clears throat> um, I see I see several Black Lanterns. I just didn't know if yeah I see several Black Lanterns and I see a cover with Necron, but I don't know if that is specifically issue four. So um, looks cool. Yeah, that that looks to be four. So it looks like Necron shows up super quick, which is good because depending on. Depending on how and how they're going to resolve it, they may need a couple of issues to kind of resolve it. So it kind of makes sense that he makes himself and puts himself on the scene no later than the end, maybe the end of the third, the end of the third issue, beginning of the fourth, and then we we go we take it from there. Is trying to figure out how everybody, excuse me, can team up and stop him. So yeah, it, it's a good story. It's it's certainly it certainly you know, ranks for. Ranks right up there as one of the you know as one of the better books right now, even though we know it's only got a limited run to it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I really enjoy the art, um, especially. Um, yeah, it's Black Lanterns on the cover of five. That's what I was seeing. Necron on the cover of four. Black Lanterns on the cover of five. Um, so there's that. The I mean the art. The art uh, I really enjoy. I like uh, again, like I said last time we covered one of these. Um, 
the art uh, it it is um, it's easy to tell who is who yes uh, just by looking at their face but it's not so overly focused on looking exactly like I mean it's, it's rather than being a super detailed representation of that character's face the artist is able to achieve the look of that character with some simple lines. So I, I do like that because there are sometimes when someone tries to render a character to look like a certain actor in a comic, it kind of goes overboard. So I, and it, you know, kind of makes the art suffer, but this one it definitely maintains, maintains its uh, I don't know, consistency, I guess I should say. So that's really cool. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, the story, the story itself. Um, I mean, like, like I said, I, I feel like it's going a little slower than a, a, a six issue series, a six issue miniseries crossover with this much supposedly happening in it. I mean, just I mean, we already said it, but you know, Ganthet's death, Necron, Larfleas, Sinestro, New Lanterns in the in the Star Trek universe, you know. What happened before this? You know, how did Hal get get to this universe? You know, so much is supposed to be happening, and we still don't know a lot. So, I feel like the pacing might be a little off, but I guess I guess you know we're only two issues in. I guess we'll know more in an issue or two. So, if if Necron shows up on in issue four, then I mean that I'm assuming that he shows up at the end of issue three. You know what I mean? Probably that's what I assume too. I assume he'll. He'll be showing up right at the end of three, kind of like the that that issue is version of the Sinestro reveal. That's what I suspect. Yeah, but I, I I definitely enjoy it. Like I said, it's one of my favorite ones that I look forward to each month. So, so. yeah, it's a, it's a nice little supplement considering we, we're, we're down to three books right now. For sure. All right, do you want to take Lost Army? We will take Lost Army. With the cover, seeing all pretty much all the Green Lanterns, you know, white, not necessarily dead, but but all knocked unconscious, with John struggling to maintain himself, with, the, with of course the appropriate title, Last Lantern Standing, and of course the issue is written by Colin Bond, artists are Cliff Richards and Jesus or Jesus Sayers, colorist also with Sayers, and what Michael Edier, it looks like. Dave Sharp is the letterer, and Andy Kubert and Brett Anderson did the cover, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, picking up where we left off last, talk about big reveals. At the end of last issue of Lost Army, Relic showed up. Of course, this is the normal size, pre-Nutso, pre-Universe being destroyed Relic. So, <laughs> so right off the bat, we know just from 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 his opening, you know, salvo from the when he approaches the lanterns, we know that he, you know, he's at a much more level, you know, an even keel from a personality point of view. Of course, John, before, you know, before he realizes this, you know, he's got his ring ready and aimed at him. It's like, everybody ready, don't let him. And Relic just kind of says, you know, I don't mean you any harm. You know, there's, there's no need for violence. I would never do anything like that. It's like, you know, my drones are simply scanning your surroundings and cataloging your emotional energy signatures. And Guy's kind of funny. It's like, you know, I've been scanned and cataloged a lot in my life and it's never a good thing. <laughs> It's never as fun as it sounds. Um, you know, uh, you know, relic, you know, relic apologizes. He's just, you know, 
for you know being too intrusive and everything, but it's just like you know I've it's just my desire for knowledge basically. I just this is I've never encountered creatures like you before. Uh, once again, John you know flips on the you know the telepathic communication with the other lanterns, and it's like uh, it's like kind of like you know you know. You know, listen. You know, like, you know, we kind of, we kind of know who he is. And they kind of get we have a, a, a relatively, although, even though the power battery once again is drawn like crap. Although, a kind of rehashing visually of what happened when Relic showed up and lights out an Oa to just you know, to to drain the spectrum. Uh, Arisia is kind of confused about you know what's going on, and so everyone else is too. But you know, John of course throws out the theory that. You know, it kind of looks like not only have we been displaced as in physically, we're also like kind of basically we're back in time too. We're time lost too. That we're back in basically rel- the universe that existed before ours, and obviously before it just dis- you know before it was destroyed. And right on cue, you know, Relic picks up on just I guess their body language and goes, "You know, you seem lost. Let me help you. My vessel is nearby. Follow me." And everybody's kind of like, ah, you know, we really don't trust this guy. You know, we, you know, this is not a good idea. Blah blah blah. And Arisia picks up on, you know, there's something different about him, other than the fact that he's smaller and not trying to kill us. She says, and uh, you know, Zril Vrek over there picks up on exactly what the difference is, as you know, as he kind of morphs into a replica of, you know, Relic's face. He goes, the difference is that he thinks he still has a that he still thinks there's a way to save his universe and that he might actually be the key. What difference is about him? The difference about him is that he still feels hope. Uh, which is kind of ironic considering what he did to the Blue Lantern first <laughs> in our universe. But then, uh, you know, John's kind of like, you know, we're kind of really deep in it now because in, the, in a really short period of time we've kind of made, you know, fast friends with uh, two of our greatest enemies. And right at that moment we kind of see the, we see a, cl- a close-up of Krona who kind of looks suspicious, even though he doesn't do anything. It's just it's the nature of Cronin's face. Well, still, I mean, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I, I think he can hear them. And you I, might be correct. I mean, I, I, you may very well, you may very well be correct that it, I may turn out that that's that that's the case. But I'm just saying, just in general, whenever we see Cronin, even if on the surface he's not doing anything wrong, you just. But that could just be playing into our expectations too. We expect Cronin to be, a, you know, a kind of a dirtbag at the end of the day. He's going to do something he shouldn't do. Uh, but even though I just find it interesting that again, his face seems is relatively, relatively expressionless. Nothing really serious, like a twinkle in his eye or something. It's just the fact that you, to me, I see that panel and it's like, oh, he's, you know, he's up to no good. Um, you know, John and everybody, John and everybody else. Uh, you follow Relic to his ship. You know, Relic points out that you know these are dangerous times, especially for those who wield light. But you'll be safe here, and perhaps while you know while you rest, you can you know better explain to me how you control your light. And Guy, you know, kind of like Captain Obvious here, it's like you know you know we're kind of like basically you know we're kind of like pissing in the time stream pool here. You know, there's going to be repercussions. And John goes, I know, but we just need to control our footprint and make sure that you know that make the plays that are going to get get get. Make the plays that are going to get us home as quickly as possible, which leads to one of Chad's favorite things in these issues, another flashback to John service in the Marines, where we end up back uh, in Afghanistan, where basically there's one of their one of their informers, one of their informants, basically, who seems to be somewhat of a double agent that he doesn't really screw over the, the Marines, but yet we it's certainly implied that he gives information to the Taliban as well. So basically almost all... The, 
almost everybody there while they're talking to the informant keeps keeps their helmet on. Uh, John kind of, kind of points out that hey, he's always provided us with solid intel, and he's not doing this for money or for favors. He kind of he's he's on our side basically because he thinks what we're doing is right. You know, sooner sooner or later you have to trust somebody. And you know, the other marine says, "You say that, but except for the commanding officer over there, nobody else has taken their helmet off because pretty much everybody else is expecting an ambush at any second." And he goes, "Then that includes you because John Stewart's helmet is still on." Which of course, right then, John takes his helmet off and goes, "Happy now." He goes, I'm disappointed, actually, more than anything. It's like, I thought you were smarter than that. That kind of trust is going to get you killed. So we cut back to, to Relic's ship, and Relic points out that some of his drones can perform, like, minor, you know, minor medical procedures. And John's kind of like, uh, yeah, all right. So the, we see the little drones, like, working on Kilowog, and we think later we see it working on Krona, actually, Krona's stomach, too, later on. And, you know, relics, you know, it's like I've spent time exploring the universe and I've never really encountered anybody who, you know, who wield light like you do. He goes, when I first saw you, I thought you might be the light pirates or some light pirates. You know, the, the clo- this close to one of the converters, they are an ever-present threat. And you know, I think 2-6 at this point, you know, asked about what the light pirates are. You know, and the relic says, just consider yourself lucky you haven't met them yet. And they you know, they've become desperate to control the light. You know, it's like, uh, and relics, kind of a moment of, inf- you know, reflection. It's like, it's kind of really ironic the fact that, of, and tragic that of all the people that have finally accepted his theories about, you know, the diminishing spectrum and, the, and its limited reservoir and everything, that the only people that really seemingly have accepted this are the light pirates, because that's why they're trying, trying to hoard it. And relic kind of gets thrown off, you know, Temporarily, because he goes back to John's ring. It's like, but you channel your power, you know, your the emotional energy through rings and not stabs. I mean, is that a more efficient way? <laughs> and Krona is kind of being. This is Krona again, being Krona as he's getting his stomach worked on here. It's like, uh, don't expect my friends to be particularly forthcoming about their their rings. They're pretty protective of their jewelry. And of course, a combination that we see later on in this issue, which kind of like gives the impression that really won't end well in all likelihood. It's like, a, as a fellow man of science, I would be more than happy to talk to, or to hear more about some of your theories. <clears throat> and, you know, this is when, of course, Relic goes back to explain his, you know, you know, I'm considered a relic among my people, and we see a nice, you know, flashback to these cities made of light like we saw before in the Relic's origin story. Uh, but this is when we kind of find out that not all, that the basically the dimming as we had heard it called before it actually has already begun in this universe so they haven't, they haven't been sent back in time to before any of this has happened that we're actually in the midst of the dimming right now or and or as relic refers to it as the war of the dimming of the dwindling light excuse me that pretty much everybody is fi- fighting for the little bit of light that you know that remains and uh you know Relic's goal, he's basically trying trying to search for the reservoir of, of light. He's trying to find it to somehow be able to save his universe. And, you know, he just considers, you know, these Green Lanterns or whatever they are to be such a, such a variant, such a wild card that he doesn't know what to make of them. This moment, John kind of sw- switches back to his, you know, the telepathic frequency and tells, you know, everybody understand pretty much what we have to do right now, and we're going to have to lie to him. You know, this, you know, it's not what we really want to do, but we need his help so we can get the hell out of here, get home. So we're going to have to lie. You know, this is a tough call, but I'm making it, and that's 
And he goes, there's, there's really no way to, you know, to, no easy way to tell you this, bro, like that. We're from your future. As <laughs> like, we're here to come, you know, we've been sent back in time on purpose to help you stabilize the emotional reservoir and recharge the power converters. And I love the look on Guy's face when uh, John's saying that. Because Guy's like, almost like, you know, John, and Guy just wants to go over to him pretty much and not just necessarily smack him, but just like want to just shut him up. And, uh, you know, Relic is just kind of like take, taken aback by this. It's like, th that's fascinating news. It's like, my theories were correct then. You know, the dimming is a great, is a symptom of a great danger. It's like, if the light is extinguished, does, you know, does that mean reality will be too? You can help all this? All these questions just keep coming out, being thrown. And, and once again, like I referred to with the Green Lantern issue about, I th think Hal could have been a better liar. Certainly John at this moment, multiple times in this discussion, should have at least been able to put on a sterner face, I think. And he goes, oh, uh, yeah, that's right. But first things first, you know, we've kind of been separated from the rest of our lanterns. We we, we need, you know, we could use your help tracking them. And, you know, and Relic's like, oh, you know, my that shouldn't be much of a problem. And once we locate the rest of them, you can take me to the reservoir, right? And he goes, yeah, that that that's right. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> it's like, our people know where to find it. And then you see all all the other lanterns are just kind of either looking pissed at or just heartened at John or just kind of like disgusted at the situation. To be fair, John doesn't look thrilled with, you know, the BS that he's dishing out either. But, you know, af after this guy, you know, you know, again, you have Krona kind of like not making eye contact. So it makes you wonder, you know, if he, like Chad said, if he really hears what's going on, and especially the way he's looking when Guy more or less <laughs> almost takes John by the hand so they can have a private conversation. And God, John's like, well, we could have just talked, you know, using the telepathic channels. It's like, screw that. It's like, you know, maybe, <laughs> as, as Guy said, maybe I want to use my big boy words right now. It's like, well, I mean, what the hell are you, I mean, it's like, essentially he kind of, you know, kind of like rips into John, like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, it's like you, you just decided to tell, you know, this huge lie to this guy, and, you know, you didn't even give us a chance to chime in to say, you know, if we, you know, if we give us any, you know, to voice our opinions, whether we thought, you know, this was the right way to go and everything. And, and you know, first John starts going, well, you know, there wasn't time. Sometimes a leader, and he goes, ah, don't give me this burden of leadership crap. It's like, uh, you know what bugs me, that story about what you told Relic? It's just, it just, like, rolls right off your tongue. It's like like you were born to lie. And I really like that page because the look, I think both John and Guy are drawn very well, especially their facial expressions. And I kind of really like John, uh, Guy's point of view in this, too, because he's kind of making it clear, besides telling John that, you know, you better watch your tone or I'll, or I'll, uh, I'll, knock your, <laughs> I'll knock your teeth down your throat. He goes, listen, man, it's like, listen, you know what's at stake for these people. I mean, their universe is dying because guys like us used up all all their light. And what's even worse is kind of like, we're, we're like using some of their light now, too. It's like we're draining their universe even faster than it should be drained because of us. You know, and guys kind of like, a, you know, Maybe we actually can save this universe, you know, with with us being here, with Krona being here, you know, maybe we could. And John just cuts him off and goes, "You know, we can't do that because basically this their universe needs to die to be to basically create ours." So we don't have a choice here, John pretty much says. At this moment, you know, the alarm gets sounded by relic by relic ship, and is like. And Relic's like, they found us, you know, the Light Pirates, which are kind of interesting ships, because they kind of almost look like the ships that brought Superman to Earth in the Christopher Reeve version. The little, sh the, the, the crystallized star-like ship that brought baby Kal-El to Earth. That's what the Light Pirates look like. Um, John asks 
relic, you know, can you hold them off? It's like, oh, well, this isn't a warship. It's just an exploration vessel. So John and the, and the, John and the Lanterns, you know, go out to, to deal with the pirates, leaving, of course, the ever-dangerous combination of Relic and Crota side by side. You know, and they, and they go out there to, they go out there to fight. And do, you know, and while they're fighting, of course, Krona and Relic are having an interesting conversation. It's like, can they win? And Relic goes, No, I don't, I don't believe so. No. He goes, And you let them go out there without a warning. He goes, Yes. He goes, You wanted them to fight so you could study how and study how their rings work. It's like, Yes, their weapons interest me. Relic says, But so do the armaments the pirates use. And now we kind of see why, because the the, the ships of the the light pirates basically drain the emotional energy out of the rings, which, of course, as we can probably f- guess, it, it's foreshadowing that Relic's going to use some of this tech in his machineries, which is why he's able to drain emotional energy. So Arisia, in particular, gets her—you know—her ring is starting to be drained, which is kind of interesting because you see all the different lights of the spec, all the colors of the spectrum being drained, even though her ring is being pulled out. The energy is being pulled out of her ring, which might be because they charged up from that converter, which theoretically almost is like a universal energy source. So, you know, then we get a closing dialogue, you know, or the, you know, of the or narration. The Green Lanterns were thrown back in time to a universe in turmoil. What did Relic call this? Or call it the War of Dwindling Light, and in every war there are casualties. So we see Arisia pretty much her ring either completely drained or about to be, you know, clutching her throat as her oxygen gets cut off. And her shields are gone. And that ends Green Army. Green Army? Oh, Lost Army. I guess I, I, guess I was trying to abbreviate the title so much. <laughs> uh, G-L-L-A. G-L-L-A. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so the, 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 the part about me not liking the stuff with John as a Marine... I, I know don't. Why. You, you know I know why. I'm just busting on you. But go ahead. And I, 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 I I know. Like I, I don't have a problem with it on the surface. It's just I don't think this is going anywhere. I think they're using this as a device to just kind of highlight the tension and the kind of history repeats itself kind of thing. They're just using it to highlight the danger that the Lost Army is in right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. I don't think it's actually going anywhere. I don't think we're going to get a huge revelation about the character of Jon Stewart or his history. We're just getting a snippet of his past that somewhat mirrors what's happening to them in the present. And I use the present term loosely since they're in another universe and another time. (laughs) But... You know, I, I don't think it's actually going anywhere. It's be, being used as a device to kind of highlight everything that's happening to them now. Now, if it turns out that this is actually going somewhere, awesome. But I don't get that feeling at all. So it, that's why I don't like it. Um, it, it, it because it, it's, it really does feel like it's going nowhere, which means in the story we have two wasted pages. I mean, sure, the, you know, the art looks cool. Having John, you know, seeing John's past, yeah, that's cool. But it's not functional. It's not necessary to the story. And it, I don't know, I feel like this story could move along a little faster if we just dropped it all together. But, you know, they won't do that because we're already 30 issues in, so it's not like they're just going to go, oh, the fans don't like that, we're going to drop it. <laughs> you know, like, right. 
So it's it's just it's not like pissing me off, but I mean, the more pages it takes up, the more I'm just like, oh, it's kind of worthless. And it's also interesting because the whole, in a way, the whole point of that dialogue of what John was trying to get across that at some point you have to trust somebody. You got to pick a side and you got to trust, which is kind of funny because because the whole point. Of, not the whole point, but what's going on in this issue is the fact that he's not is other than the, his lanterns that he's not trusting anybody. You know, he's not trusting Krona, he's not trusting Relic. So it's, it's kind of like it's kind of funny just where how it, where it shows up in in the in the sense of the storyline because of the fact that it shows up right when John Stewart is basically deceiving and being dishonest with both of these characters. <laughs> so. Now we yeah. know logically, we know why. You know, especially uh, in a way, especially I don't, know, I don't know if you can. I guess you could look at the. It could be an opportunity, but relic. Because if you get on better terms with relic now, then maybe, <laughs> then maybe he wouldn't be such a jerk when he comes into our universe. At least he'll realize there's something. There's you know there. It's not just one way to go here. Uh, but because who knows, a way they could do the storyline is maybe. Even though he doesn't remember all of it, maybe there's some remnants of his interaction with the Green Lanterns when, when he finds out they, they betray him that carries forth subconsciously into his, you know, when he goes into our universe. So that remnant, that little piece sticks into his... He doesn't he may not have the memory, but he, but there's something inherent in him now that makes him not want to deal, not trust any lightsmiths or any lanterns anymore because of what happens in this with dealing with John. Maybe it becomes, you know, like kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy uh, that... that you know, by John doing what he's doing helps you know set the dominoes in theory. When if he made try to be a little more op- a little more open with Relic, maybe he could they couldn't save Relic's universe, but then maybe Relic would have a maybe he would have a different approach and he would have a different view on things when he comes when he came to ours. Maybe I can understand him being kind of a jerk with Krona because we know the odds are you know Krona's not you know it's not going to end well even though we don't necessarily know how Krona got there yet, which is kind of critical. Whether Krona got there himself by one of you know by probably because of one of his experiments, or whether somebody else sent Krona there too. So yeah, and it's 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 important to know which Krona this is. Is this pre looking back to the beginning of time? Krona is he there because he was looking back to right. the beginning of time, or is this him after the experiment but before the Guardians punished him for it? You know what I mean? Like, at right. what point is this Krona, you know, in his in his experimentation, seeing the beginning of the universe phase? I like the art, uh, especially because it's it seems super simplistic, and a lot of the details being done by the colorist in terms of shading. So that's kind of cool. Um, I do my my favorite page though is probably the one that looks back into the past of this universe with the. The City City's, of Light. Yeah. City of Light. Well, I, I like that third panel the most. Or with all the lanterns? With all the lanterns lined up, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, if, if if we could get that panel without those uh, text boxes on the bottom, like just, just only art and color, that'd be awesome. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, I, I do like that. Uh, that panel. And I do like the, the, the big splash, double, well, kind of half splash double page spread. Of them reenacting or, or recreating the battle with Relic. Yes, I do too, actually. I mean, the, the it's it's cool. I think at that point Relic had kind of drained some of the energy out of the battery, 
Probably. Uh, Hal looks uh, really good there. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's a nice touch that you know all the detail. Like for instance, those little uh, tack-like spheres that took in the and were protecting Relic at the time. Right. Uh, his ship in the background. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The attention to detail there. So that's cool. Uh, and I do like how we don't see some of the lanterns. Like, we don't see 2-6 and stuff, because they weren't technically a part of that just yet. Right. I mean, they were, but they weren't. They were kind of ground troops at the time. So that's cool. All right, anything else? No, I, what I do kind of like is I, I like the fact that, so far anywhere, they kind of... Pretty much in every issue, every new issue, we think we we kind of get more information about where where we're going with this, and kind of and kind of hinting at what's going to happen next. But then sometimes they kind of throw us a little little curve. Like at the end of last issue, we kind of found out, you know, we were, we confirmed the fact that not only were we not only that we were back in Relic's universe, but yes, we were back before it was destroyed. But now we find out that it wasn't that. We were not necessarily back before they were having their problems with, you know, with the dwindling light. And now we know that they were basically they've been dropped dead set, kind of in the middle of the, you know, the final phases of their, you know, of, of the universe, or they're at least like th- at least halfway through their, the the draining of the emotional spectrum there. So just like and just like now, we get the hints of uh, of, of relics, basically where relics tech is going to come from to help, you know, to drain the emotional energy when he needs to, because it's going to obviously going to, you know, retcon or going to uh, duplicate, you know, reverse engineer some of the, you know, the light pirate stuff probably. So, but who knows, maybe there'll be, could be a curveball thrown on that too. So, but I, I like where it's going. Like, it's like I kind of said before, I don't know how long they can kind of keep this going with them being lost. Um, in a way, I'm kind of surprised that we kind of got a, a def, a, the answer to where, where and when they were as quickly as we did. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. But I, I'm kind of surprised, you know, by pretty much by, by the second issue, we already knew, you know, where where they were, and kind of give or take when they were. We knew they were in the past. We just didn't know how exactly when in when in Relic's timeline they got dropped. So I just it'll just be curious to see how long you know they're actually gonna gonna stay lost, literally, before they get back to uh, either our universe or whether there's gonna be another journey. Well, I mean, they have to find the other lanterns because the entire lantern core is gone. So that is true. Yes, yes. Are... I, I mean, I'm assuming they're all in this universe, but they're just scattered throughout. Probably so. Yeah, and I wonder if the other lanterns managed to come across other uh, power pyramids or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, they you could know? be. They could be captured too, whether it's by the the light or, pirates or, or other. Or they could they, they could be captured, lanterns. or they could just be grounded. Like you know, they they ran out of. Juice. They weren't able to find, come across one of these power batteries, so they weren't able to recharge. Or maybe they all came across a, a, a battery and were able to recharge, but it, maybe it didn't change color the way the ones that John and them did. Maybe, maybe they're different lanterns. You know, maybe they have different power. Yes. So, I don't know. All right, Sinestro fourteen. Sinestro fourteen. Sinestro number fourteen. Uh, Sinestro rising. Um, uh, the, uh, fucking, sorry, the variant cover. Uh, oh, the, 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 disc, the disco Sinestro? Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the zoot suit Sinestro? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. The Parallax Ballroom. The Parallax Ballroom, the Planet Quad, this Saturday at 8 p.m. Don't be late. Warm up acts include the White Lantern Corps, Atrocitus, and Mongol. 
See the frighteningly fierce Sinestro perform his, his jumping, jumping jives. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Alright. Baron World Oh wait, no, no. We'll uh have to wait till the last page, I guess, to get to the uh the credits page. Um Baron World Sector fourteen thirty eight. Um, we see uh, an alien kind of stranded on this place, and then a ring shows up and chooses him. Welcome to the Sinestro Corps. Starts flying, freaks out about the fact that they can, he can fly, or she can fly rather. Um, and then uh, she, she's like, you know, I, I, not only can I fly, I can leave this world. I never thought I'd be able to, you know, I never thought I'd be able to leave. I never dreamed I could, but I can fly. And then. Negative. She says, I'm free. And he, the ring says, negative. Your life is promised to the Sinestro Corps. She's, well, what's the Sinestro Corps? And then, bam, Sinestro in her face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just where you don't want him. <laughs> he says, you've been selected. And, you know, how, how long have you been here? You know, four, six months, something like that. Uh, you know, it's... I don't want to read it word for word, um, but there's just kind of a long conversation between her and Sinestro uh, talking about how imprisonment takes many shapes, and she's not what, not even sure what a, 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 a Sinestro Corps member is, let alone a Lantern. Never heard of any of them. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've personally taught a new recruit. You know, today's your orientation from this day forward. You're an officer in the most feared peacekeeping force in the universe. Uh, she thinks the you know fear and peacekeeping force are kind of you know juxtaposed uh, words. He's kind of explaining you know what a lantern is and, and what their duty is. He says you know kind of just one moment I got something to take care of and just kind of doesn't even look points his ring behind him and shoots and destroys one of these creatures. Uh, kind of explains that what's happened is uh, a, a wave of radiation went through the space sector. And these uh, ships that were um, operated and, and had AI, kind of the AI kind of took over and started destroying things. That's what they're doing. They're taking care of all of that. Um, she says, you know, I don't think I'm right for this, whatever this is. Sinestro, you know, has the ring provide a summary of her eligibility. And it says uh, Sinestro 148 or, or one, 1438. <coughs> her name is Max in AX. Nax is a member of the Nadroth Collective. The Nadroth Collective engages in scientific excursions throughout known sectors to conduct their experiments. The Collective abducts sentient, spe sentient specimens from living worlds. Nax is one of the rare Collective members with the ability, and then she says, that's enough, I know who I am, I don't need your ring to explain it to me. Uh, he tells her to follow him. They go to War World, where they're uh, flying over the city of Ranks, which is growing on the surface of War World. Uh, she senses that the city has its own yellow ring. It's one of the more powerful lanterns. Uh, he then explains some more what a lantern is. Um, tells her how the Green Lanterns vanished without a trace, and now Sinestro's you know leaped up to fill the void. She asks how many of them there are. He says not enough, but that'll be changing soon enough. And we see that um, uh, quas, quas, Quasi Trail, the one, the, the one with a bunch of tentacles. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, he has a lot of tentacles and a bunch of mouths on his face, but no like eyes or anything. Um, Sinestro has made and is reprogramming an army of manhunters. 
and yes, those Manhunters. Um, and they're equipped with yellow powder, power batteries of their own. And, you know, he's, they're tools for us to use. And Quasitrell says, you know, would you like to hear him speak? And they say, no man shall escape Sinestro's might. Um, and, uh, you know, she says, you know, these automatons uh, have limited value because they don't have emotions of their own. You know, well, what about me? I was taught to be clinical, to be without emotion. And he says, well, interesting. When I found you, you were excited and joyful. Um, you know, was it was a taste of freedom all it took to make you forget all those lessons you mentioned? I never said I was a good student. <laughs> I like that. That was a good line. <laughs> and uh, then Sinestra says, maybe you need a, or, you know, you needed a better, a stronger teacher. And then he says, you know, he directs some manhunters to destroy her. She lashes back with a yellow lantern construct. And he says, that's enough. She says, well, you could have killed me. And if I haven't been able to use this ring, he says, don't be foolish. The ring wouldn't have chosen you if you were not worthy, if you could not control fear. And you cannot control fear without being able to recognize it in others and in yourself. Although I could strip the ring from you, take you back to that miserable planet, leave you with the corpses of your people. See, fear is not such a foreign concept to you. Let's go. He takes her out, uh, introduces her to Sora. Uh, she's her, I guess, her sector partner. Um, he just says partner. Um, so I don't think it's a, uh, I don't know if it's a sector partner or just kind of she's a, more trained member in the use of rings. I don't know how long she's probably had this particular yellow lantern ring from the last time we saw her, but at least she knows how to use rings. So I don't know if he's just partnering up with her because she knows how to use a ring or because she's supposed to be her sector partner. But either way, <clears throat> she'll assist sister. You'll assist each other with assimilation. Uh, she, uh, Nax and they're in the, the, the sick bay basically of ranks. Um, and Nax asks, what's wrong with these people? They've all been affected by the paling. They're turned into this. I have them all sedated as I try to figure out how to reverse the uh, infection. Unable to do an in-depth examination, not knowing how the paling impacts the nervous system. I'm hesitant to do anything, too. And all of a sudden, Nax, like, whips out some crazy energy sauce uh, and kind of splits apart the... Skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular, and uh, nervous systems of this being and, like, stacks, like, they're all floating in the air but stacked on top of each other. Like, you see the skeleton, you see just the muscles, you see just the cardiovascular system under that and just the, the nervous system underneath that. And she's like, well, how are you doing this? And she says, I come from a family of surgeons, but none of them can do what I can do. It's a psychic vivisection. I can pull bodies apart and put them back together again. It's agonizing for anyone who's not sedated. And Sora's like, I bet Sinestro just loves you. Uh, <laughs> um, she says, you know, everything he's doing is part of a greater plan. You're part of a greater plan. All of this is recruitment drive. It's just Sinestro preparing for war. He's adding to his collection, building a stockpile of weapons. Uh, then we see, you know, Sinestro standing in front of this wall of screens on War World. Assuming, uh, I'm assuming this is the same com bank of computer screens that we saw Mongol standing in front of when we were first introduced to War World. So I'm assuming this is kind of the war room of War World. I, I don't know. So we see, you know, Nax is being monitored. It looks like the paling is being monitored. Uh, not the paling. Um, what's their names? The, the I mean, I, yes. 
Um, oh, God. That group of people that Sinestro fought, the, the group of heroes or bounty hunters, whatever the hell they are. He's also got cameras on some of his yellow lanterns, uh, a camera specifically on Becca, a yes. uh, camera on his manhunters, and a camera on... No, that's, yeah, I know who that is. That's Lobo. Lobo, unfortunately. Yeah, that's Lobo. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's just kind of watching everything going on. And it's called Indoctrination. And here's the credits page. Writer Colin Bunn, penciler Rob, Robson Rocha, Roca, inker Jonathan Glapion, colorist Jason Wright, letterer Dave Sharp. Uh, cover was by Brad Walker, Drew Hennessy, and Wright. Um, and the bombshell variant cover was by Imwell... Uh, Emanuela Lupacino and Tomeo Mori. And the editors were Andrew Marino, Mike Cotton, and Eddie Burganza. And just to let you people know, there's ads all throughout all these books, uh, at least most of the DC ones. And the DC ones have an ad for... <sighs> I feel like I can get to the front page quick enough. Oh, oh, oh. <sighs> Dark Knight 3, The oh, Master yes. Race, an eight-issue limited series available print and digitally holiday 2015. So Frank Miller is coming back to do another installment of The Dark Knight. Um, what do you think? It's pretty good. I like I like Nax. I like her. I think she she's pretty cool. Uh, I kind of I kind of like the fact that. I like the fact that they're making it clear that much that much like Green Lantern, kind of like they, you know, they just kind of like not everybody is a carbon copy of each other. Yeah. When, when they go for rec- when they recruit, that I like the fact that they're they're showing that the Green Lan- the Green Lantern core, I mean the Sinestro core is the same way that that you could have somebody who on the surface doesn't really seem like they belong, but yet they kind of potentially do. We you, we may not entirely know. Uh, how they belong yet, but obviously, obviously, her her unique talent can come in handy in quite a few many ways. <laughs> do Do you know who Nax is? And I don't mean like have we seen her before, but you know what what she is. I'm not sure where you're going with it. Okay, when you see her crashed on that planet, what does her ship look like? Let me go back and take a look all the way in the beginning here. Oh yeah, the, uh, you yeah. That's that's kind of what I thought when they read the description when they actually talked about the description that they're pretty much uh, like the Greys, I guess. Yeah, they're the Roswell Greys. I yeah, think. Yeah, the, 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 the ones ship... who have been doing all the abduction abductions like on Earth. That's actually that is honestly what I thought when I read when the description of what their race is because that, that's that's the first even without re- remembering this image in my head. Yeah. Uh, because I am looking at the digital copy. Uh, yeah, she's got gray skin. She's tall. She's thin. She's got big ass black pupilless eyes. Um, they do give her those kind of tentacle things, which really don't match in the back well, of her head. But yeah, but but still, her 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 ship is a literal flying saucer, just like you would, just like we've seen it before, and you know, fake news reels or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, and when they describe what what her race is capable of, uh, engages in scientific excursions throughout known sectors to conduct their experiments, the collective abducts. It's specimens from living worlds. 
And everybody who's ever talked about seeing, you know, Roswell Grays is talking about how they've been abducted and experimented on. So she's clearly a Roswell Gray. Apex League is what we were looking for. That we were both by the play gun. Yeah. Oy, that was bad. <laughs> Not a lot happening here. Again, more setup. What do you think of him doing, uh, creating his own Manhunters? Like, you would think Sinestro would be like, uh, I'm not playing with fire here. <laughs> but but here he enti- is. But that's not entirely new, too, because don't forget when Cyborg Superman was part of the Sinestro Corps, they still had the Manhunters. Yeah, I guess that's true. So uh, it's it's, but it's and don't forget it is Sinestro. He kind of sees himself above everything else, or or the fact that even if even if it didn't work for you, I'm Sinestro, so I can make it work for me. <laughs> didn't didn't work for the Guardian, so it'll work for me. <laughs> Oh man! But remember, he points out that they, that basically it's, they have limited, like a limited use or a specific purpose for him. So it's not he's not naive enough to think that you know that they're gonna that they are good enough to replace having you know active living Sinestro Corps members. But they, they, there's there's a, there's a time and a place for where they can come in handy. So I like the fact that especially on that one panel when you look at the the face of the of the of the Manhunter, where it basically does look like Sinestro's face. That yeah. one, that one panel when, when they open, they open it up, that you see that 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 that, that face on the on the Manhunter pretty much looks just just like Sinestro's face. I thought that was, I thought that was, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I. I like I like the issue I, I like the setup I'm kind of glad that we're going to go based certainly on the solicits and everything else that we're going to be going back to the paling and finding out what their deal is because that kind of that storyline kind of got left high and dry. Well, we got to take a diversion for Lobo. I was just going to go into that and say that I, I'm it's unfortunate that we have to take a diversion into Lobo. I haven't but, read those yet, so I don't know if they're good or not. No, as far as I know, unless my comic shop screwed up again, I, I, I did have them pull the Lobo issue that came out last week. Uh, and supposedly both that and Green Lantern were put in my folder, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not looking forward to it. I don't like. I never liked Lobo to begin with. I'm not a fan. And I kind of dislike the look of this Lobo even more. So I don't know. Sora was kind of drawn unevenly. I thought. I thought they kind of were definitely going out of their way to make her look more like Sinestro. I thought in some panels to make the resemblance even stronger. But it's just like weird. It's like. Like that, like that, because they just stood out like a sore thumb. That one panel where like her cleavage just seems like to go like jump up like five cup sizes. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I was gonna say something so, about that. Yeah, I mean it's kind of hard not to. Though. The I bet Sinestro just loves you panel when she almost has a wink in her eyes. Like honestly, her boobs like are just like out there in your face, literally. When they, even like the last page when they like they were or a couple in all the previous pages they were for the most part they were pretty drawn down. Yeah. Um, not entirely. There was one profile shot that wasn't, but. It's just kind of that. That's a little uneven, no pun intended, um, in the way she was drawn. And I, and and this is Walker, right? Is Walker the artist on this now? Yeah, Brad Walker. Uh, yeah, I don't. I. This is not my favorite version of Sora. I don't think. Uh, Maybe not, but I. I, I love I, I, every issue. I love the art more and more in this, and I think it's perfect for this title. I like the relationship, even right now, between her and Nax. I think that'd be kind of cool, and the fact that she's a surgeon, they're both doctors. I think that's that's a good that's a good team to have. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they'll get they'll get a 
Mr. Uh, Tomar there or whatever. Romar, whatever whatever the whatever his name the Sinestro Corps member is. Romat Rue. Romat Rue, that's the one. Uh hopefully they'll get him back back out of his job. Beyond just having his pair of uh a jockeys on him, putting them back in action soon. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> Nax will be able to figure out the uh but between the two of them, maybe they'll be able to figure out what exactly uh the paling did so they can counter it. Anything else? No, but it was another good issue. For sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, listener feedback. Hell yeah! So we are actually doing listener feedback. I was going to ask you whether we were, because I know I happened to look, and there was a, there's a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 reward them. Let's do the freaking listener feedback. Thanks for providing it, guys. All right, so quick break. Some word for uh, some you know some advertisements from, for some of our fellow podcasters, uh, and uh, you know then when we come back, some listener feedback. My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a Back to the Men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need to mine, or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have mine, you have yours. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it will be used to you at a particular time, and then if you go out of that it scrambles to uh, a and it doesn't fast enough. So it's better to just set it up. Oh, okay. It, do, it really doesn't work well. So I checked right. uh, I checked my, uh, mm-hmm. what's it called, my pro- okay. It definitely built, built me for the hotel for all three of us. Join Back to the Bins every week for goodness. Solomon Grundy hate voiceovers. Calabac, Tassad, it is I. Listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's Who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Etrick and Arisia and Woody Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. In Country has re-upped for another tour and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Panneries, for In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics The Nom, every two weeks at Two True Freaks. Dot com.
guys and as that uh, little uh, audio clip states we are doing listener feedback um, Corwin Kroll Andrew Macon D-Ron Murphy and Jesse Stewart you guys freaking rock thank you for shooting in emails actually the first one we got was from Corwin and it's a freaking voicemail a voicemail so 708 lantern <laughs> send us in some voicemails guys alright so uh, we're just going to go ahead and play that, and then we'll come back and respond. Hey, fellas, it's Corwin. I'm behind on episodes, but I make sure I do keep up with the current stuff. So I just finished listening to the July ep, and I did leave a message on Facebook, a, note, a post on Facebook, but I decided to call in since you guys are suffering for voicemails. But uh, I want to know if you guys can do a retrospective on Becca. I recently saw the Justice League God and Monsters animated film, and uh, Becca was Wonder Woman, so that was a bit of a surprise for me. So, you know, that universe is a different reality than ours, so I was wondering if you guys can fill us in on the Becca from the regular DC universe. All right, keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys got a tons of other uh, side podcasts, which I'm just way behind on trying to catch up on, but you know how it is. All right, keep up, you know, keep up the good work. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks, guy. Thanks again, Corwin. Uh, freaking awesome for sending in that voicemail. I know you're behind, and I know you got some little ones, so and you got your podcast of your own. So, uh, which hopefully I'll be guesting on now that my internet is finally uh, hooked up. He's been trying to get me on the show forever, and just hasn't worked out because he kind of wanted it happening right right around I was moving. So, um, but yeah, hopefully that'll all work out. Uh, but anyways, uh, retrospective on Becca. Um, I think we can do it. I mean, it'll probably be like a short, you know, 30-minute, 45-minute episode, but I think we want to do that. It's certainly, yeah, we can, I might, we have to figure out when we're going to do it, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, and uh, just think of it as a reward for sending in a voicemail. So maybe if you guys sent in voicemails and you had ideas, maybe we'd do that. I'm not saying we will. I'm not saying every suggestion we get we're going to do an episode on. But you never know. That's your incentive to send in feedback, guys. You give us suggestions. Maybe Mark and I go, huh, didn't think of that. Awesome idea. We will do that. You know what? So, you know, just added incentive, guys. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I know. Maybe we can actually get Corwin to come on that episode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That would work. Um, and he was talking about Becca on Justice League Gods and Monsters, her being Wonder Woman. Uh, have you seen that yet? Or no, you, or, I have not. Or do you have any interest in seeing that? I have some interest in interest in seeing it. Uh, not enough to buy it, but I did have some interest in seeing it. So. Okay, well, I was going to spoil, so never mind. All you right, can spoil it. I don't care. Okay, okay. All right, well, for those of you listening out there who don't want the Justice League Gods and Monsters animated movie spoiled, tune out for about five minutes, uh, or not even that long, because I don't know how long we'll talk about it, but whatever. So, uh, Becca, as Corwin said, is Wonder Woman. Um, uh, Batman is Kurt Langstrom, uh, previously known as Man Bat. Uh, he took a serum, but the serum turned him into a vampire, kind of, rather than Man Bat. Um, and Superman is not the son of, uh, Lara and Jor-El. He is the son of Lara and Zod. Um, oh, 
right. <laughs> not, not, not that those two slept together, but more of in this reality before sending out the ship. Um, either the was the baby born yet? I don't know. Uh, either the baby? No, I don't think the baby was born yet. So it was what what it was was Jorel built a ship. Lara put her DNA in it. And Jorel was about to put his DNA in it so that it could, like, create the child as it was traveling through space so that it would be a baby by the time it landed rather than being a baby when it left Krypton and being, like, a toddler by the time it landed. Um, but, yeah, it was it was that. Uh, so, But right as Jorel was about to touch the little sphere or whatever, um, uh, Zod and his troops came marching in. And prevented him from doing that, so Zod added his own DNA to it rather than Jor-El doing it. So this is the pro- this uh, Superman is the product of Zod and Lara. Um, and if I remember right, he wasn't raised by the Kents either. I don't know, don't remember. Uh, but yeah, that's how that works. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> That's a lot to absorb. <laughs> uh, my initial thought was, man, that Superman is all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was raised by the Kents. He might have been, but I don't think he was. Um, and it's uh, Zod and Lara. So, man, so, I'll stick with Superman classic. <laughs> yeah. Now it's New Fifty Two Superman. Superman it's, classic. I thought I was gonna hate it, but it's actually pretty good. It's a it's a brutal Tim uh, uh, Bruce Tim animated movie featuring kind of Elseworlds. It's kind of an Elseworlds in Bruce Timm animated style. That's when you think of it like that, it's like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll watch that. Um, so that's cool. But yeah. All right. So, uh, more, uh, feedback, mo feedback, mo, mo feedback, mo feedback. Uh, Flodo's next. Floto is next. Yeah, let me... What the hell did I do? I closed something. I didn't want to close. Ah, there we go. That's alright, I'll read Floto's if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Floto Span. Floto Span! Like, guys, I really enjoyed episode 226, your GL 75th special with Jackie Nodell and the review of Golden Age Green Lantern number one. I thought your listeners might like to know that they can read all the adventures you talked about from that issue in DC Comics' hardcover collection, The Golden Age Green Lantern Archives, Volume 1. The collection may not have all the great advertisements uh, or creator biographies you came across in the original comic, but it does include the prose story featuring Alan Scott and Doi B. Dickles and the Dr. William Molston Marston essay on willpower. It also collects the very first appearance of Green Lantern in 1940 from the pages of All-American Comics number 16. And if you'd like to read a review of that very issue, please head on over to Flodo's page where I take a look at GL's inaugural outing as part of our GL 75th celebrations. Keep the green light shining and all the best, Flodo. Uh, that is flodospage.blogspot.com or just flodospage.com. One of those two will work for you. Um... Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was in the archive, but because I had the uh, the uh, digital version with all the ads and stuff, I thought it you know it, it would give us a more comprehensive look at it, and maybe there's something else in there that we could comment on. And as as he said, there was you know it misses the ads and it didn't have the creator biographies in it. So 
It's a good thing we have those digital issues. Thanks again anonymously to the person who provided that for me and us. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> this means you. I really do. Should I probably should go back and read that prose story. I'm kind of curious about it now. Uh, Andrew, nope, that's, uh, we've got an, uh, an email from Andy, uh, Andy Macon, uh, and we got actually two of them from him. The first one, though, is feedback for the GLGA episode I released. Uh, and I do GLGA feedback on GLGA. So the next time I have a, uh, a GLGA episode, I will do that feedback, Andy. So just letting you know I didn't forget about you. All right, uh, so D-Ron Murphy. D-Ron is a uh, new-ish listener, uh, definitely new uh, in terms of act- interacting with us. He's been, uh, uh, he's been uh, recently active on Twitter and Facebook for us. But he says, Chad and Mark, I first started listening to the show back when it first started, but soon fell off when it seemed as if the hosts at the time were not into what they were doing. At least it came across that way to me. I was really bummed considering Green Lantern is my favorite superhero franchise, period. On a whim, I went back to iTunes several months later and saw you guys were doing were the new hosts and started listening again. Needless to say, I'm no longer disappointed with the show. I listened to three different GL podcasts. Yours, Podcast of Oa, slash Blog of Oa, and Just One of the Guys. Shout out to Sean Engel. Um, <laughs> I like how your show will cover all aspects of the character franchise, both past and present. Love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Suggestion. Is there any remote chance that you guys can cover the 13-inch issue Emerald Warriors series starring my favorite lantern guy Gardner on episodes in the future? Respectfully, D. Ron Murphy and Arbor, Michigan. Um, I'm assuming that he was talking about towards the end of the show uh, when Jim and Dan were a part of it. Uh, because, yeah, probably towards the end of the. Uh, yeah, because they were they were definitely Third into Army. it. Yeah, they were definitely into it up until that point. It wasn't like we were doing out of habit, so. There was some definitely excitement and vigor there. Um, in, uh, he, he gives a shout-out to just one of the guys. I want to say, guys, um, God, I don't know. Based on when this episode that we're recording right now is going to hit, I don't know if it'll be in time for you guys to download it as it comes out. But maybe uh, just one of the guys is ending. Um, Sean has reached the end of the Kyle Rayner run. Um, and just one of the guys, so that's uh, 181, right? Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, Green Lantern 181, and then, you know, after that, Rebirth happens. Uh, and I don't know if Sean maybe wants to, is going to continue doing Green Lantern stuff and maybe do a different podcast for it, um, or if he just figures the Lantern cast covers all that and has covered all of that very well from the beginning, so he doesn't doesn't want to step on our toes, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what he's thinking, but regardless of what he's thinking or how he's going to proceed, or even if he's going to proceed, uh, just one of the guys is ending. So I really, 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 really encourage you guys to go check out Sean's uh, podcast, Just One of the Guys. I recently started uh, listening to it. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I have been kind of listening to it a little bit. Um, on and off, kind of select issues of of, of the Kyle Rayner run that I remember. Spe- I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but I specific issues I remember really enjoying, like the Power of Ion stuff and, and things like that. But you know, I I think at some point in the future, Mark and I will get to those Kyle issues. You know, whether it's a, a spinoff or you know we 
I don't know how we we would do it, or even if or when we would do it. But I kind of have been putting off listening to his episodes regularly because I don't want his thoughts to influence my opinion. But you know, now that now that his show is ending, you know, I just went and I, I downloaded like all of his episodes and uploaded them onto my iPod, like maybe the first ten or so, and I'll probably do ten chunks and just start listening to it from the beginning because. You know, I don't. It's probably safely. I can probably safely assume we're, we'll probably get to the Kyle Rayner stuff eventually, but I really doubt it's going to be super soon. So uh, I just started listening, and you know, Sean's got a great show. Um, always have, and I definitely recommend you go go. You know, give him some support and download some of those episodes, and maybe leave some review. I mean, like I don't know how it how it would help or whatever, but. Whatever you can do to support Sean, definitely do it. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully he'll continue, uh, on, if, even if it's a different podcast or a change alters the uh, his focus so he can continue on, still doing maybe Green Lantern stuff, but not, obviously, not the Kyle stuff. Uh, that would be nice. Um, obviously, we can have him on at some point, depending on what storyline we're going to do, especially yeah. if we're going to be doing a Kyle storyline. Uh but yeah, I I agree. I it's definitely uh it's definitely kind of it's always kind of like bittersweet when you have when you know you're doing material that's kind of like finite, and at some point you even if it's like years down the road, but depending on how many episodes you do, you kind of know that there really is an end date unless you kind of like reconfigure kind of like your mission statement before then. Kind of what's kind of like what will happen with Jim and I and you know pre birth, even though there's different ways we can you know. That, that that blanket sta- it's kind of a our mission statement is open enough where we co- probably can cover different areas without it not all being you know Hal's the Spectre that's just where we took it but so and we, and regarding the Emerald Warriors the, the only issue I would see with that is that those issues were really covered by Dan and Jim yep but during the you know during the the main run I mean that was because that was one of the books that was still one of the books before the New Fifty Two launched right. Yeah. That's, what, that's what wiped out Emerald Warriors, unfortunately, was the New 52. Yeah, and I really, 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 really enjoyed that series as it was coming out. So. No, I did too. It was, yeah. it, it was good. Uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of un, unanswered questions. And, yeah. You know, I, some of which have been answered kind of half-assed you know, with, with, like, with uh, Sodom Yacht, but there's, I, but there's a lot of things we were never – Never got an that story. That was one of those books where really it suffered because of the new Fifty Two and the change and and their dis- decision after Flashpoint because it's just like kind of cut uh, Emerald Warriors out right at the knees. Yeah, I, I don't want to say we'll never do it, Deron, but I or Darren, Deron, I don't know. Um, but I don't want to say we'll never do it because I don't want to limit us like that. But I, I kind of feel like even though that was kind of in the era where we were dropping off and things weren't that exciting for us and the New 52 was coming. Well, no, it was the New 52 that kind of got us. Um, I'll say that I don't know when you stopped listening. Um, and I don't know uh, if you're a bit concerned about if uh, you know, no, we did uh, Jim Danamy covering those issues at the time. Uh, but we definitely all had a passion for that series. So even if we weren't passionate about what was happening in the other titles, when we when we do get to covering those issues or issues of Emerald Warriors in a specific episode, our our tone will change because we did enjoy that series. 
So uh, I, I definitely recommend you checking that out. I don't remember what specific episodes those were, but uh, they're still out there. Um, they're definitely on iTunes, I hope. I don't know. I don't know how far iTunes is going back right now. But I've been downloading yeah. the show since the beginning, so I have all the episodes from iTunes, but I don't know. Um, I will say this, though, um, before we move on to the next email. Sean Engel does have other podcasts, so definitely support those. Uh, the main one, uh, other than uh, uh, th- that I listen to and have just started listening to because I have the comic series, is Parallel Lines. And what Parallel Lines is, uh, Parallel Lines is a podcast about the Tangent comics that uh, DC was putting out, the Tangent Universe stuff. Uh, so I definitely recommend you guys check those out. So any of the Tangent Universe uh, character-based comics, uh, Sean and a uh, co-host uh, of his who I am not seeing here. I just did a Google for Sean Engel and something. Uh, but I, I'm seeing his name, but I'm not seeing his co-host name. And I just started listening, so apologies for not uh, knowing that uh, co-host name off the top of my head. It might be Michael Bradley. I don't know. Um, and he also has on the Two True Freaks ne- Two True Freaks Network, the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And going across some of the, the horror comics uh, of the times. So there's that. So definitely support his other podcast ventures. It's not like he's going away from podcasting altogether. Good to hear. All right. Good. And good to know. So uh, Andy Macon? Yes, I will do Andy's. Andy says, hi, guys. Here's some feedback you, you maybe didn't expect. I was just listening to the Secret Origins podcast when your promo came on. Have to say that it was by far the best promo I've heard in a long time. Nice one. Cheers, Andy. And of course, you you asked for clarification since we did do we did two, pretty much recorded them on the same day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Remember correctly. So Andy Andy follows up and replies. It starts with you talking in the style of Arrow, followed by doing a Barry Allen. Then Mark comes in and you go into a discussion of what the podcast is about. Don't think I've heard that heard the other yet, Andy. Uh, thanks, Andy. Uh, and by the way, guys, Secret Origins podcast. If you're not listening to it, epic podcast. Uh, Ryan Daly is knocking it out of the park with that podcast. Um, he came in out of the gate with episode one. He had a format. He had a very strict, uh, not, not strict. I don't think strict is the word, but he had a very clear idea of how the show will go and what format he wanted to do it in and has not changed an iota from day one. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, he covers obviously the issues of secret origins uh, the series uh, that came out right after Crisis. Um, so, and he has different co-hosts with expertise in particular characters or mild interest in some characters. Uh, if you can't find someone who uh, has a has a uh, uh, an in-depth familiarity with them, so um, and he had myself and Sean Engel on for the one featuring Guy Gardner. I think that was episode seven, uh, and he's been doing so awesome with that. He's getting he gets a lot of feedback. Uh, and he was gracious enough to play one of our promos. And the reason you guys haven't heard one of our promos yet is because we don't play them on our show. I mean, we do play promos on this show when we have breaks and stuff like that, but what's the point of us playing our promo on our show as you listen to our show? You're already listening to us. Why do you want to hear the promo? Uh, so this gives us an opportunity. If you guys only listen to us or you know, if you don't listen to other podcasts that we associate with that would play our promo... I'll just go ahead and play them both now. You think that's all right, Mark? 
Yes. All right. Yeah. I'll just I'll just add both of those in. The first one will be the one Andy mentioned, uh, which is our more kind of loosey goosey fun promo. Uh, and the next one is our more serious but shorter, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, dynamic epic. Uh, but, I know I like that so, one better, actually, personally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like it too, especially with the music in the background and you know, kind of the stuff we're actually saying, the script that we're going through. So, but uh, regardless, thanks, Andy, and again, uh, shout out to Ryan Daly for playing the promo, and you guys, again, Secret Origins podcast. You should listen to that. My name is Chad Bokelman. For five years, listeners were stuck with a mediocre show. Now we will fulfill our listeners' expectations to use the time and topics left to us and bring down those who are threatening to overtake us. To do this, we must become someone else. We must become something else. Really? (laughs) What? (laughs) This is your your original attempt? (laughs) Yeah, dude. At a promo? Yeah. I think you're kind of confusing what this show's about, Chad. All right, I got another one. I got another one. All right. Okay, maybe 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 your second attempt will be a little more fresh and original. <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <clears throat> I'm hoping. <Yeah. clears> my name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder, and wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Okay. Stop, 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 time out. What? <laughs> this is the Lantern cast. We're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. Not necessarily new material because most people don't like the books these days, but the point still is we're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. Eh, I guess you're right. And I, I, I guess the old show wasn't really mediocre. I just thought it'd be funny. You did your best, Chad. That that That's what's so tragic. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you tell them what the show really is about? It's about Green Lantern. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there's well, there's the comics. There's well, let's run down some things. We've we've done what? We've done commentaries. We've done yes. We we've done movie commentaries. We've done ring our ring encyclopedia stuff, reviewing you know props and rings and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Movie reviews. We do we do stuff like that. Too. Yeah, yeah. We've we commented uh, done running commentary on uh, on uh, issues per month. We've done random issue reviews, uh, old stuff and new. Lots of old stuff recently. Even we've even had interviews, uh, both in the old iteration of the show and the new iteration of the show with me and Mark. So uh, tons of tons of stuff here over at the Lantern Cast for you guys to listen to. It's not just one. We're not a one trick pony over here. Stole my line. I was just going to say that. No, we have a pretty broad base of topics and things that we do, and we think I think we have a little bit for everybody. So we certainly would appreciate everybody coming to check us out, and we think you won't be disappointed. Yeah, we, you can find us at LanternCast.com. We're also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, so search for LanternCast, and you can find us easily there. And if they want to contact us, they're more than welcome to do so. Mark, you got that information right. You always do. <laughs> Lanterncast at gmail.com, <laughs> lanterncast at gmail.com, and we even have a voicemail line. Guess guess what? It's 708-LANTERN. <laughs> awesome. And we're on Facebook and Twitter, so find the Lanterncast in whatever way suits you best, but definitely give us a listen either on our website, on iTunes, or on Stitcher. We're always here for you guys, and I guess what? Closing line, light the lantern? <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep, keep the emerald flame burning. All right. Awesome. To tell you the story of Green Lantern is to tell you the story of the birth of a universe. The origins of DC as a whole. It's a magic emerald meteor from space in the 1940s. It's the establishment of the JSA. It's the birth of the Silver Age. 
It's the introduction of a universal police force. It's the formation of the JLA. It's the emergence of the multiverse. It's a crisis in both space and time. It's an emerald dawn. And it's an emerald twilight. It's the brightest day. And the blackest night. And the Lantern cast covers all of this and everything in between. We're Green Lantern's greatest advocates and fiercest critics. We've been fans for years, and it's the reason we're self-proclaimed Lanternologists. So find us on iTunes and Stitcher and give us a listen. Because the history of Green Lantern really is the history of the DC Universe. And we've got the interviews, commentaries, reviews, and more to back it up. And uh, lastly, oh god. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a long one. Son of a bitch. Um, so, why don't you break it? Why don't you do a couple of paragraphs at a time, and we'll and we'll deal with right. and we'll deal with. I don't know if I saw this one yet. All right, so, um, from Jesse, Chad, and Mark, and Jim. <laughs> I haven't written in a while, but I have been enjoying the episodes. As usual, this will probably be a long one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> feel free to not read it on the air or to abridge it if you do. Screw you, we're doing it all! Yeah. Actually, probably not the Lobo one. Alright. Um, also, there's some spoilers, so if you haven't read all the issues, you might want to wait. The recent Geo... Oh, hold on. I'm going to skip this paragraph, uh, uh, Jesse, about GLGA, and read it on the next uh, episode of GLGA. Um, yeah, but, but most of it's not... Only, like, the first line is about GLGA. The rest is about pre-birth and oh i haven't read this yet. So. oh yeah yeah all right oh yeah i'll just read this <laughs> so we either yeah so i mean we can technically deal yeah, with that whatever. in ours too but it's up to you if you want to do the recent the, the whole... recent glg episode glga episode was interesting as always i never realized how big an impact the book had on the comics business back in the 1970s and it's interesting learning about that time jim and mark's pre-birth episodes have inspired me to finally read the hal jordan run of specter and so far it's been really different but in a good way Morality, spirituality, deep existential concepts are not something usually associated with comics. The sad part is that I haven't been able to find them in print, so I've had to resort to less moral means to read them. (laughs) I hope the Spectre doesn't exact vengeance for copyright violations. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Now onto the real subject. The August issues in the Green Lantern universe. So far, I'm enjoying most of the post-convergence books. Green Lantern is going in a way... That really works with Venditti's writing style and realm of experience. How uh, as solo, as it, oh, I thought it was capitalized. How as a solo hero disconnected from the core is turning out to be pretty good. Colin Bunn is doing great work on Sinestro and Lost Army. This man is a beast at writing comic books. I don't even know how many titles he's writing for DC, Marvel, and his own independent works, but the man must write 24-7. The crossover between Sinestro and Lobo is even pretty intriguing. The only Lantern-related title that I don't like is the Omega Men, currently co-starring Kyle Rayner. <laughs> We're not even reading that. No, I haven't even touched it, and everything I heard indicate that it's crap. And I, I don't, I'm not, let's not even go into that, right? There'll be another time to go into the Kyle crap there. Guys, next <clears> month <throat> we're putting ourselves through hell to do th- Threshold, so... Um, we are? <laughs> Halloween. Uh, uh, I'm assuming uh, we got we did promise 2015 and we're running. You out promised of 20, but it's like I said. Now that I pretty much found the remaining issues, since I since I didn't need to find as many as I thought, we probably can do that in October. Yeah. 
Um, don't hold us to it, guys. We'll, no, Mark, Mark I, and I well, have to talk as long it. as I have the issues, we can put it to bed just so just so people can pick pick another holy grail to to, to, to hold out for us to do. Uh, any comments so far on what he's written? Um, let's see. I agree with him about obviously the the whole pre-birth thing. I think that's what makes that series quite is interesting and I think fun to do is because it's not your typical comic book. It's it deals with a lot of deep stuff and that's certainly dealing with that Spectre proper when we do some of the other crossovers and we um, some of the other appearances of the Spectre not in his regular book then I think maybe it's like becomes a little more superhero-y too but I agree with that. Uh, I think for the most part he's right about uh, what when the way the current path of Green Lantern it does kind of fit in seems to fit Robert Venditti well uh I do agree with what you said that it could I probably could be picking up a little steam instead of having issues that do seem mostly as filler but you know Colin Bunn I agree Lost Army Sinestro I would say consistently so far are the best two books uh certainly of the three Green Lantern books not counting Star Trek but and let's see then he gets into his rankings yeah. Which obviously we'll leave out Lobo Annual because I didn't buy it. I don't think you did either. No, I did. Well, I didn't, you did? I didn't buy it, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he has Green Lantern 43, Lobo Annual 1, Sinestro 14, Lost Army, Star Trek, Green Lantern in that order. Obviously, like I don't have Lobo Annual, so I would leave that out as my rankings. I would probably put... I would probably put Sinestro number one, Lost Army number two, Star Trek three, Green Lantern four. Uh, Star Trek Green Lantern number one, Sinestro number two, Lost Army number three, and Green Lantern number four. That's mine. For this month. So we're going to skip all the stuff in the Omega Man? Yeah. Okay. Now you want me, I'll, I can take over for I'll give you a break on this one. Uh, now for some comments on well, individual. Well, just, just read the paragraphs associated with the the comics that you were. That we do. Yeah. Okay, which is perfect anyway. Uh, I got the var- Green Lantern forty three. I got the variant bombshells cover. Hal's a WW two era fighter pilot. It's simply an amazing image. I thought it was a really good issue. Black hand in the piece of the source wall, whole planets to stone is probably more terrifying than anything he did in Blackest Night. I like Darlene and her smart ass attitude, but I can't help but hear. It in Aya's voice, well, more than more like Azula from Avatar. They were both voiced by Gray Delisle. Azula's attitude is closer to Darlene's. I uh, can't even contain how overjoyed I was to have Ethan Van Skyver on art. We're definitely with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he draws Hal, it actually looks like Hal with long hair instead of looking like somebody completely different, like when Billy Tan draws him. Agreed. Uh, tangent: I wonder if Billy Tan is related to Philip Tan from Before Blackest Night, when Lorfley showed up. I don't think he is. Not I'm not either. sure, though. Glad to see the Relic is back. He has the potential to be a relevant foil for all the cores. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I don't... I think the Darlene thing could get old after a while. Mm-hmm. I think it's already starting to get close. We don't really need a... There's a fine line between sassy and having a ship that's just a, a ball buster, pain in the ass all the time. It's always working against you. No pun intended. Kind of like uh, you know, Hal from uh, 2001. It's like... I don't think we should do that, Hal. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck you and do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think Dar the whole Darlene thing is going to get annoying, especially because even if you compare it to Aya, Aya was anything but annoying. Uh, 
Lost Army number three. I think Cullen Bunn is knocking it out of the park on all the books he is writing. Not a huge fan of the Sayers art, but it's not bad. His John and Guy aren't bad. I think his John and Guy were pretty good, at least especially when they were having that one, one to, one-on-one conversation. Um, that's me talking. Not, uh, but I don't like the way he draws Arisia and Kilowog. I agree with Arisia. Arisia doesn't look like Arisia to me. And Guy's new green-red uniform sucks. John was right. He looks like a freaking Christmas decoration. I don't understand why Relic and everyone else is the same size in Relic's universe. Uh, we'll come back to that. Did the core grow when they got transported? Did Relic grow in size when he came to today's universe? I think that's the answer to that. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter for the story. I'm just glad that at least one of the new lanterns Venditian Jensen created is still around. 2-6 is a pretty interesting character. Krona's kind of an enigma right now. I don't know what to think of his involvement. I like the flashbacks of John's <laughs> time in the Marines. <laughs> Chad uh, respectfully disagrees. Mm-hmm. It kind of helps understand his motivations. And that last page, whoa, I doubt they'll really kill Arisia, but what, what was going on with Lobo over in the Sinestro stories, you never know. I don't think they're killing Arisia. And to be fair, we also don't know if some more of the uh, Varuk, I mean, Jeruk and that group of Lanterns are going to be showing up once they find the rest of the Lost Army. We don't know if they're included in that group. Mm-hmm. So Sinestro, now it's your turn. Yep, Sinestro number 14, another great variant cover. Sinestro, is, uh, as a professional dancer, is such a contrast to who he really is. And his opening acts, Atrocitus and Mongol, LOL, the new core members at the beginning of the book. I'm not sure what to think of him. At first glance, he, she, Her, yes. doesn't fit the mold. But when the ring starts to describe her, I wonder what sort of psychopath she really is. Ranks is back, Sinestro's building Manhunters, and then Lobo makes an appearance on the last page. Things are about to get serious with the greens gone. I do not like the way that uh, Robson Rocha draws Sora. It just looks really wrong, especially her face. Agreed. Yeah. Lobo, we're skipping. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know if we will review those issues on the air or not, um, but... Uh, I personally will read them, but don't hold us to them on reviewing them, guys. Um, at the very least, we might mention them once Lobo shows up in the Sinestro book. Like, I might right. say, you know, do a brief recap of what happened in that issue, um, just for the sake of, you know, where we were versus how we got to where we are in the Sinestro book. But anyways, Star Trek Star Wars number... Star Trek Star Wars number two? What? Uh, yeah, Star- that was a mistake. I think he meant Green Lantern. Star Trek Green Lantern number two. I've still got mixed feelings about this book. It's good, but I, I don't know. Uh, a bit different than I expected. I'm not sure I like the Green Lantern stuff in this art style. It works for Star Trek, but not really for the Lantern aspects. Also, I'm a purist for the original Star Trek and almost walked out of the theater during Into Darkness when they revealed, spoilers, that Benedict Cumberbatch char- Benedict Cumberbatch's character was actually supposed to be Khan. And then the ending with Kirk in the reactor instead of Spock grown. Now back to the book. It was interesting to see which characters got which rings, although Uhura getting the violet uh, didn't quite make sense to me. I almost think it's because the only female she's the only female most people would know. A Klingon with yellow makes sense. Chekhov in blue, with blue and McCoy with indigo also does. That construct that Chang makes on page 7 is amazing. I was wondering who would get the red and orange. Some random Gorn because they couldn't come up with an established character? How about Khan? He's got, he's got to be pretty pissed off at getting defeated by Kirk and then dumped back and just suspended animation. I think that's what I remember happening. Well, 
defeated more by Spock, but yes. <laughs> maybe maybe that Gorn was supposed to be the one that Kirk faced in the episode Arena. A Romulan with orange definitely makes sense, though. I looked it up, and uh, Decius was in the first episode where the Romulans appeared. Balance of Terror. He was, se- he was the second in command on the Bird of Prey. I didn't like the way they combined the Starfleet uniforms with the Lantern Corps symbols. The Klingons also wasn't great. It was basically a yellow version of Guy Gardner's uniform. Having Sinestro show up was a nice surprise. Honestly, I didn't even notice it was him on the cover, at least that, the one I got until after I read the issue. And the next issue box with uh, a pretty fearsome-looking Larflees has me intrigued. I do hope that at some point they give us Kurt with a green ring, but a more traditional GL uniform. I really want to see what Chris Pine would look like as a Green Lantern. <laughs> Probably the only time we'll ever get to see it. <laughs> Kind of weird that I wrote most about the book I like the least. I've already read Green Lantern 44 and Level 10, and uh, we'll, we'll save. Stop there. Yeah, we'll yeah. say we'll say that for later. I think that's uh, plenty for now, Jesse Jesse Stewart. P.S. If you want a Star Trek fan on the show to help with Star Trek Green Lantern crossover, I'm just saying. <laughs> P.S.S. for Jim and Dan. Will there be another Sliders Cast episode soon? And I'll answer that one just based on the conversation I had with Jim when we recorded our Star Wars episode, which actually was the night before Chad and I are recording this. Uh, I don't think there'll be anything out super soon because I think he, he said that uh, – Jim said that he and Dan hadn't recorded in like a month. So I'm not sure if that means they're they're getting closer to a target date or they're just kind of like haven't even really gotten to – you know, getting close to getting a – I'm sure they have a topic, but getting to narrow – have they – They've even had discussions on one they looking to record, so I would not necessarily think there'll be one out. This this episode of ours probably will be out somewhere around the week of the 17th. That should be about right. Mm-hmm. So probably I, I would guess that the absolute earliest you could get an episode of Sliders Cast would probably be towards the end of September, unless they pull, unless they do some recording in the meantime. But that's 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 just my guessing, since Jim's not here to answer it, just based on that it did come up in conversation. Yep. All right. Anything you want to say about any of that? I, I disagree with him definitely about um, Star Trek. Star yeah, Trek, but I, I, I will say uh, two qualifiers. Uh, one, I'm not a big Star Trek fan, so I don't catch all the references like he did. Um, and I gotta say, I, you know, I, I can't, you know, discount him. Uh, he kind of has a point about Uhura, I guess. I don't. I, I guess it doesn't really make sense why she would have uh, Violet. Although I mean, she is in love with Spock, so I don't know. That is true. I guess you, if you're looking to justify it based on actual ties to the to the emotion in question, as opposed to just oh, it's a girl, so she, we got to give the Violet to a girl. That that does that that does make sense. Um, but we also don't know who else is on the ship, theoretically. But like th- that could go to what he said that they have to give it to somebody people know, mm-hmm. ideally now, for a storytelling point of view. Now he mentioned a couple of Star Trek episodes. You you kind of went mm-hmm, when I, I was listing them off. Did do you know what he was talking about? Well, vaguely. I mean, I do, I do remember Balance of Terror. Uh, um, so it may, I was more acknowledging the fact that it made sense that they, that the name that the name wouldn't be a throwaway name. That the Romulan certainly wouldn't be like a wouldn't be a a throwaway name, right? So that that made sense. I I did try to Google it while we were talking. I just didn't get didn't get any results enough. So. All right. Anything else before we uh, wrap it up? No, I think it was good. All right. Well, you want to lead us into the closing? 
Uh, we'll lead us into the closing. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Visit our website, lanterncast.com. Check out our latest episodes, movie reviews, our Dark Star reviews, Ring Cyclopedia episodes, which I better do another one soon. Uh, you name it, we have it there. We're, we're, we do what we can to try to at least keep current information up there. But, in, in our busy lives, we Chad and I do what we can. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to find us on, on those. We're on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you'd like us there, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, uh, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night.